So Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. In conclusion, be strong in the Lord, draw your strength from him and be empowered through your union with him, and in the power of his boundless might. Put on the full armour of God, for his precepts are like the splendid armour of a heavily armed soldier, so that you may be able to successfully stand up against all the schemes and the strategies and the deceits of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, contending only with physical opponents, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly supernatural places. Therefore, put on the complete armour of God so that you will be able to successfully resist and stand your ground in the evil day of danger and done everything that the crisis demands to stand firm in your place, fully prepared, immovable, victorious. So stand firm and hold your ground, having tightened the wide band of truth, personal integrity, moral courage around your waist and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, an upright heart, and having strapped on your feet the gospel of peace in preparation to face the enemy with firm-footed stability and the readiness produced by the good news. Above all, lift up the protective shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. With all prayer and petition, pray with specific requests at all times, on every occasion and in every season in the Spirit. And with this in view, stay alert with all perseverance and petition, interceding in prayer for all God's people. It could have been written for today, couldn't it? Yeah. We think today is uh, terrible and everything is against us, but when you read this, you know it was the same in Paul's day when he wrote this, yeah? Nothing has changed, yeah? Um, I'm not very good at standing. I'm not very good at standing and waiting for God to do something. I think I might have inherited it from somebody. <laughs> but I like to do things. You know, when something happens, when something goes wrong, when something... I like to do things, yeah? I think I've grown in experience by working where I had to do things like that, yeah? I like it in here when it says, you know about crisis, that we always seem to have a crisis at work, and we're always good at getting out of crises. That's why we always had a crisis. <laughs> and it seemed to me that I was expected, I needed to do things, yeah? Not to wait, not to stand, but to go and do things, to sort things out. And uh, probably coupled with my natural instinct, that's what I'm used to doing. It drives Karen mad who always wants to wait and think about things, and I'm going, well, we need to do something. She said, well, I don't want to do something. So, yeah, it's difficult, yeah? Because I know and I've experienced that sometimes we need to stand, yeah? Uh, difficult to know when to stand and when to do things, yeah? Um, but I always remember this sh short prayer, and I always remember it and always say it, I don't always follow it, but I always remember it. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. Courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And it's the wisdom that we need, isn't it? But it doesn't always come immediately. Sometimes you have to wait and seek the Lord about it before you do things, yeah? 
It's always good to get the wisdom of God before you do things, yeah? I'm speaking from experience here. I'm speaking from somebody who's tried to change things and it hasn't worked. It's backfired and it's made it worse. And I've had to give it to God. Yeah. I had to realize that there's some things that I can't do. And uh, it's really hard to stand, yeah? Particularly when you like doing things, it's really hard to stand there and wait for God to do things. Because he doesn't do it when you want him to do it. He doesn't do it when I, I need it now, Lord. He waits, yeah? But I always remember this other thing that Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians 12. I don't want you to find it because it's just one verse. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My loving kindness and my mercy are more than enough. Always available regardless of the situation. For my power is being perfected and is completed and shows it most effectively in your weakness. Therefore I will at the more gladly boast in my weakness so that the power of Christ may completely enfold me and may dwell in me. So we have to remember in our weakness, yeah, that's when God can work. Yeah. Not a very pleasant thing to feel weak, is it? We don't like to feel weak. We like to feel strong and able to do things, but sometimes we have to accept. We need God's dealing with it, yeah? And um, when God deals with it, he deals with it in a different way to what we expect. He deals with it in a better way than what we expect, yeah? And if we don't let God do it, then we're not going to be able to get there, are we? And we'll end up with something lesser, yeah? And I think of, um, there's a few people in the Bible that uh, you can, from their life, you can see these things happening, how they've had to learn. But one of the ones I always like to look at is Joseph, yeah? God told him when he was just a boy that he was going to make him a great leader and his family and his parents would bow down to him, yeah? What a wonderful thing to be told, yeah. But what God didn't tell him is he's going to have to go through quite a lot before he got there. Yeah. And he, had a, he didn't have a very nice life, and he must have thought, well, I must have misunderstood what God said to me. Yeah. Or he must have thought, well, well perhaps I'll settle for being a, a good servant in a Potiphar's house, yeah. Maybe that's not what I was expecting, but maybe that's enough, yeah. He did his best there. He was very trustworthy, etc. But God said, this is not for you. This is not the right place where I want you to be, yeah? And he didn't take him up. He took him down into the prison, yeah? And then he had to work his way up there faithfully. Like that thing said, he followed God's, what God had asked him to do. He was faithful to what God had asked him to do and living a, what we would call a Christian life, wouldn't we? And then he had the thing with the, uh, the butcher and uh, the baker and the uh, butler, and he thought, well, maybe this is the time that God's going to do something. And he actually asked him, didn't he? Remember me when you get to Pharaoh. Nothing happened. He had to wait another couple of years. He had to wait, and we have to wait, until God says, have you given it to me completely? Have you let it go? Are you trusting me? Are you going to let me do it my way? Yeah? And we have to get to that stage before God intervenes, yeah? So we have to get desperate sometimes because it's a desperate situation, isn't it? And then God did something wonderful for him. On one day, he made him from a, a prisoner in the, in the jail to somebody who wasn't worthy to number two in the kingdom. How can that happen? Can you ever imagine your boss at work saying to you, today I'm going to make you chief executive, yeah? That's what God did, you know? From the lowest person in the kingdom to the highest. And Joseph didn't do anything, did he? He just 
He was obedient to God. He just went and told the Pharaoh about his dream, and out of that, God must have prompted Pharaoh to do it, yeah? You wouldn't necessarily do that, would you, unless God intervened, yeah? And there he was, up where God brought him to be, yeah? He looked back and said, I know what happened, and I know why I went through this, but when you're going through things, you don't realize why God's doing it, yeah? You don't realize what God's doing it for and how he's preparing it for, yeah? Um, the other, other person is Jesus, yeah? We look to him and look at his perfect life, yeah? And what he had to go through, yeah? And when he was before um, Pontius Pilate, he didn't say a word, did he? He didn't try and justify himself. He didn't explain himself, which he could have done. He could explain from the Bible, the Old Testament, why he was there. He could have said something that would have actually prevented it happening, but he knew if he did, God's plan wouldn't have happened. So he didn't say anything, yeah? They beat him and did some horrible things to you, and he just remained silent. He could have called 10,000 angels down to come, but he didn't. He knew what God's plan was, and he was very faithful, yeah? He's an example to us, a perfect example of something we all should aspire to, yeah? But we're, we're not as perfect as Jesus, so we struggle in these things. But, you know, it looked doom and gloom for the world, didn't it? They saw him die, but God raised him up, yeah? And now Jesus' name is above all names, yeah? It's a bit like what he did from Joseph. He took him from there to the top, yeah? Here's the name above all names. He's somebody we can look up to and say, thank you, Jesus, yeah? He died for us. It's all those things he did, yeah? If he hadn't been obedient to God, we wouldn't be here, would we? No? We wouldn't be here trusting him. Um, another example is um, in the book of Exodus. And it's just two verses in Exodus 14, 13 and 14. And it's about, and they're at the Red Sea. Exodus 14 and 13. Then Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. Take your stand. Be firm and confident and undismayed. And see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For those Egyptians who you have seen today will never, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you while you only need to keep silent and remain calm. So, standing is not there standing you know, silently and uh, meekly. We're standing firm and confident and undismayed. Yeah. We only need to keep silent and remain because the Lord is fighting for us. Yeah. And I like the thing about salvation. It mentions salvation there, doesn't it? And they were being saved from the Egyptians, but it's our salvation that does it, yeah? We weren't just saved. We are being saved, and we will be saved. It's happening throughout our life, what God is doing. The plan of salvation is continuing our life, yeah? It's not something that he's done, it's something he's doing, it's something he will do when we stand before him. Yeah. But we need to stand, yeah? Firm and confident and undismayed, yeah? To see the salvation of the Lord, yeah? So the, the Lord can have salvation in our lives. He can save us from things, even now, yeah? But if you read that first, um, those first verses, there's a few other bits in there which I just want to draw out. There's lots of things you could draw out from here because it's really good, this thing, isn't it? About all the things we need to, to wear, yeah? But there was just one or two things that struck my eye when I read it. And in the first bit, it says, be strong in the Lord, 
Draw your strength from him and be empowered through your union with him. We need that union with him to, to do this, don't we? We can't do it alone. And there's a couple of verses I long to talk to you about. One is in John 15, verse 5 to 8. So John 15, verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him bears much fruit. For otherwise, apart from me, that is cut off from my vital union with me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown out like a broken off branch and withers and dies. And they gather such branches and throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, that is, if we are vitally united and my message lives in your heart, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified and honoured by this when you bear much fruit and prove yourself to be my true disciples. So it's important that we remain reunited with him, yeah? We don't want to be cut off. Let's not talk about being cut off. Let's be, talk about remaining in him, yeah? Because if you remain in him, my, rem my words remain in you. I ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. We can't do this without God, yeah? We can try, but we need him to intervene. And here's another one in Colossians 2, verse 6. Colossians 2, verse 6. Therefore, as you have received Christ the Lord, walk in union with him, reflecting his character in the things you do and say, living lives that lead others away from sin, having been deeply rooted in him and now being continually built up in him and becoming increasingly more established in your faith, just as you were taught and overflowing it in it with gratitude. Yeah. So it's that importance of that walking with Christ, yeah? becoming more like him. And reflecting his character, that's a good one. That's a real good one, reflecting his character all the time. To be like Jesus, that's what we aspire to, to be like him. And the other thing on, on the beginning of those, the first verses I read to you, put on the full armour of God, for his precepts are like the splendid armour of a heavily armed soldier. We're not talking about the precepts from the Old Testament. Yeah. That would be really difficult for us to do, wouldn't it? There are so many precepts and so many laws and instructions. We'd, we'd spend all of our time trying to comply with them. But Jesus has dealt with that because he has been perfect and he's dealt with the law. Yeah. We've got to follow Jesus' precepts. Yeah. How do we do that? We become like him. Yeah. That's the only way to do it, isn't it? To become like Jesus. And in Galatians 5, verse 16, but I say, walk habitually in the Holy Spirit, seek him and be responsible to his, responsive to his guidance, and then you will certainly not carry out the desires of the sinful nature, which responds impulsively without regard for God and his precepts. So we've just got to follow the example of Jesus. Yeah? Be like him. Yeah. Shall we pray?
Lord Jesus, I thank you that you've got plans for all of our life, Lord. A single plan, not multiple plans, but a plan for each one of us. It's a good plan, Lord. It's not an easy plan, but it's a good plan, Lord. And Lord, as that prayer said, give us wisdom to know when we need to stand confidently in you, Lord, while you deal with things in our lives. Give us the courage and the boldness to take steps, Lord, when you tell us to do them, Lord. May we learn these things, Lord, quickly and easily so we can live for your glory and honour. That we can be like Christ, Lord. And through our lives, we can win souls for you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Now, I've given you some examples of where I've learned to stand. Is there anybody who's got examples where you can encourage people and come and talk about where you've stood and God has intervened? Come and talk to people about where you're standing and you need prayer. When people are standing, they need our support and prayer. But who wants to come and encourage people?